0: I'm gonna introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker podcast, what's your name and where are you from?
1: I'm Candace Burt, and I'm from Leavenworth, Washington.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I, I tell you, I've been I've been checking out your new podcast, uh, Humans of Ultra Running, and I, you talk about like the enchantments all the time and stuff. It's pretty cool. And is that some of your area over there?
1: Yeah, the enchantments, um, world class trail running or hiking, um, and actually, uh, ski mountaineering as well out there. But yeah, that's only 13 miles from my house. Um, so it's just right, right in my backyard. (laughs) It's amazing. You can walk right by mountain goats will just be, you know, walking right next to you and little babies. Um, it's a, it's rough terrain. It's super technical, but it is, Um, definitely a place that you could come from anywhere in the world and just think it was one of the
0: most amazing places we've ever seen. No, that's great. Yeah. And it sounds like you run through there quite a bit.
1: Um, I try to get up there a few times a year, but I just, I'm so busy with traveling and everything. Um, I haven't gotten up there as much as I, as I would like to, I have a lot of trails a a little bit closer to my house. I know 13 miles sounds close, but, um, it, you know, the enchantments gets a little crowded, so I, I tend to run close, as close to home as, you know, even just from the house, right? run right up the mountains.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm not a runner, uh, but I listen to your podcast. I think it's awesome. Can you kind of talk about what kind of made you want to start your podcast?
1: Well, um, I've been thinking about doing a podcast for <laughs> probably like at least five years, and you know, there's always a reason to not start it. So I had just, I bought the equipment and it just, it sat around long enough that it actually became outdated. (laughs) 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 And uh, I wasn't sure. The other thing was, I wasn't really sure what, what's my focus? What's my goal with the podcast going to be? Do I want to just test it out and, I also thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. Um, so (laughs) I finally, yeah, you know, um, I finally decided to just go for it and, um, have a focus on the stories of ultra runners. So I, um, I finished up what, what we call the triple crown of 200s. I raced direct three 200 mile races in three months. And, um, when that was done, I was like, okay, time for the podcast project. And then once I delved into it, I was like, whoa, this is, you know, there's the whole technical side and the artistic side and um, communicating with guests. So it's it's definitely been a lot more work than I realized. It's a part time job right now trying to get out an episode each week. <laughs> but it's been really fun.
0: That's cool. Yeah. And I I, I, I... I guess kind of like anybody that listens to podcasts, I, I try to kind of, um, without being weird, I try to kind of get to know the person a little bit. And, uh, so, so I just kind of, you know, not, not, not in a stalker way, you know, but just kind of like, hey, I wonder who this person is. And, um, so you kind of gather things. And so I'm wondering if you were to self-describe yourself, um, are you a, a race designer or a racer first?
1: Um, I, I would say I'm an adventurer. Um, I, I guess. I sort of stumbled upon race directing. I started running ultras in 2010 and then um, volunteering for them as well and realizing that it was something a line of work I might want to get into. I was doing massage therapy at the time. So I I definitely started as a racer, but I think it's just more of an adventurous spirit that that, um, comes first before either of the other two. And um, luckily they work hand in hand. I mean, I think racing Teaches you a lot about what you want to do and what kind of race you want to have, what runners really need because um, when you're out there on course you're you're picking up things you're looking at it in a much different way than somebody who just races. I'm I'm looking at, you know, I'll see a type of food and be like, "Ooh, yeah, that's good," or or <laughs> "Man, why don't they have more variety?" um or, you know, just picking up all sorts of little little things like that. So, it's sort of in race director overdrive even even while I'm racing.
0: Yeah, well, you know, a couple of the races that you direct, I mean, I uh, uh, I don't know every single one of them, but just kind of based on what I've heard, um are some of the most talked about races, uh, around really. I mean, I, I hear people talk about them on all kinds of different platforms. Um, can you kind of go over what the, 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 three races are that make up the the triple crown of 200s?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I had no idea that the uh, 200s would become this big. Um, and again, it's still really niche, um, sport. It's a, it's more of an adventure race than a, than an ultra really. Um, But the Triple Crown of 200 started with the Tahoe 200. I created a race that circumnavigates Lake Tahoe on the Tahoe Rim Trail and a few other trails. But it's basically just one massive 205-mile loop. So it's really unique because before the Tahoe 200, there were 200-mile races, 500-mile races. You know, these races existed. But nobody had gone out and said, you know, I'm going to create a 200-miler that, um, just a single loop or a point to point. So they were all like multi loop kind of, you know, 10, um, 10 mile loops, 20 times like that style. And so, or timed events. And so I just, and I wasn't going for like a 200 mile thing specifically, but it turned out that the tower 200 was 200 miles. So, um, when I created that the first year sold out and I thought, Ooh, this might be something, even though it was, it was so much work. Like you could, you could make more money doing a half marathon and only spend a day directing it. But, uh, the 200s are four day events or four or five day events. So nonstop too, we go 24 hours a day for four to five days, um, tracking runners, you know, providing food, um, and all that. So, Once the Tower 200 was created, I thought, well, I'll create another one. So I created the Bigfoot 200 here in Washington and went out and scouted a bunch of trails I'd never been on. Um, I loved Mount St. Helens, and I thought – You know, I'll start there and I'll just build a point-to-point 200-mile race. The Gifford Pinchot National Forest in Washington is amazing. Uh, It's huge. Um, I was able to run the course from Mount St. Helens, circumnavigating it partially, all the way to Mount Adams and then um, to Randall, Washington, just a tiny little mountain town. And that race, um, it actually takes old Native American trails that were so overgrown. We actually go out there and do trail work but the first year of the race was full on bushwhacking tree hopping it's better now um but it was pretty wild that first year (laughs) and so we've sort of created some of these you know and brought back to life some of these trails and then um uh, a couple years later i added the moab 240 it was supposed to be 200 miles but um single loop course can sometimes end up being a little long so two hundred and thirty eight miles it is and that is a single loop um that starts and finishes in Moab, Utah, it goes all the way south to the LaSalle um excuse me, um the Abajo Mountains and then up through the la salle Mountains. So it actually hits up desert, red rock, slick rock, um, and two mountain ranges, all the way up to uh, eleven thousand feet elevation in the La Salle Mountains. So it's it's just shockingly beautiful. You feel like you're on a whole nother planet. And some people are crazy enough to do all three of these two hundreds in the span of three months. So Bigfoot's in August, and then Tahoe's in September, and then the Moab 240 is in October. And we have usually around 35 people um, start the Triple Crown, and about 50% of them finish it uh, at the Moab 240 in October.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to I'd like to just kind of cut in there and say, hey. Uh, people need to go check out your most recent podcast. Well, I guess when this comes out, I'm not sure if it will be, but uh, can you name the guy who was in his seventies that did that? I believe two years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually finished it when he was 69 Wow. um, in 2017. And his name is Gene Dykes and he was on my podcast. Um, the, The remarkable thing about him, he just does ultras for fun and started running at 58 years old. He, I actually knew him for, for many years when I, um, before I started race directing, I was leading some tours out in Lake Tahoe for trail runners and him and his daughter were part of that group. So it was really cool for it to come full circle. And he came out and did my, my two hundreds. And he's actually set, um, he's, he's gotten faster marathon times in the world record for 70 years old, which is two hours and 54 minutes. I mean, it's just shock. Like, I don't even think I could get, under three hours for a marathon i'd have to i'd have to train specifically for it but that's just a an amazing marathon time at any age um sub three hours is is a big goal for for runners to to hit and he you know 70 years old that's just just incredible
0: yeah oh absolutely and so i mean it's 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 episodes like that and, and a bunch of your other ones that just uh, really make me want to tell people you have to listen to. This. I've I've caught some people uh, yeah <laughs> I've got some friends that have, are just now getting into some longer runs and stuff I'm like if you haven't listened to humans of ultra running you got to get over there right now because it's good
1: yeah yeah thank you I appreciate that
0: I can't talk enough about Waymark gear company seriously uh, my daughter's still out their packs we gave away a pack on the show and I recently met Mark down at PCT days over the summer and I just want to say on their website, really easy to find, waymarkgearco.com. Check out their two types of packs. You've got the through, the 38 to 42 liter packs, and then the light uh, 50 liter packs. So uh, the throughs are $210 where they start. And then the 50 liter uh, packs, uh, the kind of the Cadillac of the frameless packs, They start at $260. So go over, check it out. There's all kinds of colors to pick from. Uh, This is just a quick little ad here to, uh, you know, support the show. At least go over there and follow him on Instagram, uh, Waymark Gear Company. Tell them the Cascade Hiker podcast sent
1: you. I hear about a lot of really crazy people in my line of work. I mean, they all, everybody who does these 200s, it certainly has got something, some sort of a story. I mean, you don't, find out about these or get into them without some some sort of an adventurous streak or uh, a history of pain, <laughs> a history of, of <laughs> suffering. Um, but I mean, certainly some people go into these without that kind of uh, a pain background either. They, they just may uh, be attracted to touring um, 200 miles worth of terrain in four days. Now, we, we do have, since you're a hiker podcast, we do have um, individuals who have completed the entire 200 miles just hiking within the time cutoff.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it isn't just, I mean, it really, the cool thing about it is sure you can race it. You could try to do it in 48 hours and, and, you know, it has been done um, these distances running in the mountains that fast. Um, however, let's say the tower 200, you have a hundred hours. So that's, you know, 50 miles a day. So it's, it's definitely not, just a walk in the park but um for somebody who runs ultras or you know is a really prolific hiker or really wants to push themselves 50 miles in a day isn't
0: too crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to me anyway <laughs> yeah no I, and it's not i mean i just uh i just recently uh interviewed heather anderson Anish. i'm not sure if you know who she is and um she you know she set the uh pct record for unsupported uh, all 2,650 miles. And, you know, she was pulling 50 mile days and 45 mile days. And yeah, I mean, it's back to back to back to back. So yeah, it's definitely uh you know, she wasn't running necessarily. So.
1: Yeah. She and I, that's funny. Um, she and I worked together in, um, Bellingham. She was helping with some of my, um, planning. We were, we were planning some like running retreat stuff. So she and I go back quite a ways, but we, we raced hurt together a few times too, and hurt 100 in Hawaii. And, um, yeah, she's a great, she's amazing. She's an amazing human being.
0: Well, speaking of hurt, um, didn't you just run that like just a few days ago?
1: Um, actually it was a week ago now, um, <laughs> okay. just over a week ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just so weird for me, uh, not being in the sport that you're in and not really ever talking to too many people just like, oh yeah, you know, I just, just ran a hundred miles last week. I mean, just in one day or whatever it was, <laughs> it's just like, wow. Yeah. So cool.
1: It, it, yeah, it sounds a little crazy, but it's like, I, and I think too, the first few times you do that distance, um, it seems more intense and, and it probably, hits your body harder but you know doing hurt is a race that's really technical and with all the rain and mud this year it was slower so I felt like I basically walked away from it you know I I mean I was walking around you wouldn't be able to tell I ran 100 miles like some people they're they're hobbling like they get up and they can barely move (laughs) it's not good (laughs) and uh, I was just walking I was just walking around so I I trained properly that's the first part and then the second part is the intensity of the race um, was a little lower than it would have been if it had been dry. So you just have to be careful out there. Um, to some degree we're running through the night. So it's, um, muddy roots, rocks, you know, you're climbing up ledges. It's, uh, I made the choice through it, that night of the race to scale it back a little and have my performance suffer rather than injure myself. Cause I have, um, a 200 miler i'm running in australia in february and then i'm going to do the arizona trail in april for a i'm going to try to get a, a fkt which would be doing 800 miles in less
0: than two weeks so we'll see yeah well that's right up uh, the hikers in the hikers realm because yeah i mean th- those uh, fkts on those bigger trails it's uh those are uh, those are big deal and, and any time you're 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 more than a week or or anything like that i mean that's yeah you're you're really doing it right i mean but can you can you kind of talk about that?
1: The record is fifteen days twenty two hours and i think like thirty nine minutes something like that. <laughs> it's a little exact <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so i you know it's it's doable it's pretty doable for me to go for the overall record um I think what's hard is you're right on that cusp of like if it was a little shorter, um, you could push higher mileage for, you know, more easily. Um, but at that two week mark, it's like, you, you sort of hit the, you know, it's almost like PCT style hiking. So it's like, how much can you do in a day for, you know, 14 days? I mean, it's, I think though, for me, I'm going to, um, try to get some mileage the a little extra in the first few days and, um, and then just get over 50 mile days after that. But we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. It. I've never done anything that long. So that's part of what attracts me to it. I'm curious to see where my body and my brain go, where, where my spirit, and my soul goes, <laughs> and try to find peace within that uh, pushing. And I have a, an amazing crew. So I'm going to do it supported, which won't actually be that supported. You know, there'll be um, a few, there'll be spots where I'll get Resupply and maybe a little bit of pacing, but I, you know, you only, you only have a few people crewing you over 800 miles. It's like they'd be lucky to meet you once or twice a day. Oh man!
0: <laughs> so we'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I'll probably still have to carry a fair amount of stuff.
0: Well, and and you have you have some fastest known times, right? Because I mean, I've just listened to your episode about the Wonderland Trail, and for example,
1: that's right. Um, yeah. So I I've gotten the. A solo unsupported or I should just call it um, the unsupported record on the Wonderland Trail that's 95 miles around that circumnavigates Mount Rainier. Um, I did it in 2012 to set the women's record and then that got beaten in 2017 so I once it once it got beaten I was like hmm maybe I should go back because there was a lot of things that happened on that first run that i lost (laughs) time i'd never been on the trail and i just went out to do the time so i thought well let's see what's possible so i went out and um and then got it again um in august of 2018 so it to me it's a it's like it's quite the spiritual kind of journey out there i do it i like to do it solo and then find out where my head goes i mean you learn about your fears you you go through every possible emotion it's um An amazing experience to do it like that.
0: Yeah. And that's such a cool area too. I've actually never done the trail, but just, you know, thinking about that and and man, what better place to be, you know, it is one of the most beautiful places in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, what about, uh, I guess I kind of wanted to ask a question in relation to hiking. Um, I I brought up a niche. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other people in the hiking world, uh, like uh Liz Thomas Snorkel or Jennifer Farr Davis um these people have have kind of through their careers uh set some fastest known times and but aren't necessarily known as runners i, I mean i guess the niche kind of was um but uh there there's some relation though isn't there yeah
1: to like fastest known times and and running is that yeah yeah just like so hikers
0: that, that that are doing these and, and and runners that are doing these and that kind of thing
1: yeah i mean i think um the more you can run the faster your your fastest known time will be so it does attract especially the shorter distances attract um you know more shorter distance faster runners of that type whereas if you look at you know pct records um that that really attracts a certain kind of endurance athlete that um i think we we just see a lot more hiker style um, athletes doing that, like, uh, like Heather and Heather is a, is a good runner. I mean, there's no doubt about it. She's a talented runner. Her talent also really lies in her ability to push like she does for so many miles, um, over so many days. And that's something that, um, is a talent just like, you know, running a certain mile time or running, um, you know, a certain number of miles in 24 hours might be her ability to just go in and get it done. Like she does. Uh, most people would break, um, within, you know, a week or two, just no doubt about it or days. Um, and she does that for, I don't know, what was it? 60 some days. I mean, to me, it blows me away. I see that as a, as a talent within itself. So it's, it's, I think it's, um, interesting a lot of times people will look at, um, Longer records as being less important, uh, in that, you know, it's e- I think it's easier to break those times. Um, but if to me, it's like the talent of being able to go in like she does is, I'm as impressed by that as, like, you know, the mile world record. Like, it to me, it's just, it's all the same kind of amazing, amazingness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> six moon designs uh picked up a lunar solo tent really excited about this uh, i want you guys to go over to sixmoondesigns.com. moon that's uh, all one word of course six moon designs so there's an s on the end there.com um i picked up the lunar solo 200 bucks it's only 26 ounces uh, listed on their on their website there Uh, I'm excited about this. I I fit no problem in this thing. I've always been kind of weary of uh, solo-type tents because I'm a big hiker. I'm I'm 6'4", very wide, and there's plenty of room. I could easily squeeze one of my kids in there with me, and and the vestibule is huge too. uh, You know, if you hike with a dog and you've got a pad for the dog, whatever, it could easily sleep under this uh, vestibule with your pack and everything out there, Um, boots or whatever you got going on. Anyway, yeah, so don't worry about that. It's also, uh, I've always been a little weary of uh, single-wall tents, but this has, uh, you know, sort of the mesh, the, the, the mosquito netting uh, about six inches and, and the six inches of a bathtub floor as well with a, the with a bottom. So it's sort of like a tarp, but um, it, it sets up as one tent. Anyway, go over there. There's plenty of videos and stuff on the website, sixmoondesigns.com. Well one thing that we talk about is uh, you know' we're, we're sitting here talking about this and and everybody I just mentioned was female, and you're you know, you're female going after the Arizona uh, record and and you, you know you talk about uh, somebody like Courtney Dual Walter, Um you know, people doing things in in an amazing time and it just seems like almost women have an edge sometimes on these longer distances. Do you see that?
1: that's a that's a great question because if you look, um, scientifically, you know, or scientific data, or you talk to, um, you know, people who, who have more knowledge of the human body, doctors and stuff, um, they'll, or physiology majors, um, they'll just say that men have an advantage at every distance. It's just that um, more comes into play, I think, in terms of Uh, when you start adding time uh, and miles onto it, it's like so many other things can come into play. So somebody, even if a man is is faster at that distance, if he doesn't fuel correctly, um, that leaves, you know, a gap where a woman could come in who fueled correctly and maybe didn't have, you know, the same level of physiology. Um, And I don't know enough about um, human physiology. I'm, you know, not being a doctor or anything, but just, just sort of talking about it offhand like we are, Um, I would say that it might be that women are good planners, um, and tend to hold back a little more. So on on the endurance side, that always pays off. Um, you know, the people who go sort the testosterone kick of like going out hard and, um, you know, that'll kill you on, on these endurance sports. So that's my that's my thought. I mean, I think if, if women nail the mental side and the strategy side, then men better watch out.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like that. that. Yeah. That's good. Well, you know, I, 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 I tend to ask questions sort of kind of around that because, you know, I have, uh, my six year old and and 10 year old daughters, uh, are my, my, my two kids. And I I just, I I feel like sometimes there's not a place in the world for men to, um, kind of talk about female athletes. I, I don't know, without kind of sounding pompous sometimes or maybe maybe that's the wrong word but uh, so i always try to ask women to maybe answer that kind of stuff for me and then one day i'm going to have this long list of positive things to tell my daughters you know that uh that other women have said so
1: yeah there's there's some interesting um essays out there claire gallagher penned a piece about um men and women's races should be kept separate um and should be applauded equally um because we do have different physiology and so I think, I think that respecting that, you know, um, is good, but I also wouldn't want women to limit themselves mentally thinking, Oh, well this, this man is bigger and stronger and, and then therefore, um, perform less. So I think, um, because not all men are bigger and stronger, right? There are women who are stronger than certain men. Um, but I think if you're just if you're talking about record wise, you know, looking at like very top level performance of, of what's possible, um, then men are going to have an advantage um, on the physical side. But again, um, and I, did, I don't know that women have an advantage over men on the mental side necessarily. I just think that, it you know, plant, if they like I said, if they strategize correctly, then th- they might.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you or have you had any fears um, when it comes to maybe being out in the wilderness alone, or, or you know, on your solo uh, attempts on on Rainier, that kind of thing? Uh, I always like to kind of dive in and find out what what people had to overcome.
1: Yeah, I struggle a lot with fears. Just, I, I think most of us humans do. Um, there, there's a lot of fears in being in nature um because we do sort of grow up in these societies or if you grow up in a city although i grew up in the country and i played outside a lot so i have that going for me but there's still that fear of the dark and you know what's out there what's lurking um and so definitely when i did the wonderland trail i just had these this huge dread um, of the night. I knew it was going to come. It always does. And (laughs) I just thought, what's going to happen this time? A lot of animals come out at night and, you know, mountain lions hunt at dusk and dawn and and possibly through the night. And I've seen them the first time I went for the record, I saw two mountain lions out there, probably one of the most frightening things I've experienced. And at the same hand, I may not have been in danger, but you see, a predator like that. And it it strikes fear in your heart. You just because I had no way to (laughs) there was no way to protect myself if it had come after me. So I went out there and I didn't have a weapon this time either. But um, I just went out there going, you know, once I start this route, and, and I get, you know, 50 60 70 miles out, and it's nighttime, it's not like I can go back. So, you know, I have to keep going. So I just put myself in circumstances, I knew it was actually safe. So that's the thing we have to remind ourselves is that even though we have these fears, it doesn't mean it's not safe. You have to analyze the situation and determine whether it's safe. I mean, that's a smart thing to do. I have kids. So it's like, I don't want to just put myself in danger's way, but analyzing the situation, my fears were greater than the actual risk. Um, There's always a risk. So I, I just accepted that. And forced myself to, to deal with it and this time i was lucky i didn't see any mountain lions i i heard stuff out there but um you know you just keep keep going and that's all you can do then eventually you're done
0: <laughs> good good <laughs> uh, well i know with all these races and i am looking at your list of races uh you know it seems like you're anywhere from you know a couple to, to five times a year um is there is, is it true that there's um uh, uh, volunteer aspect to it that uh, you have to put in a certain amount of time in order to do these races?
1: It depends on on the race. Um, different races will sometimes require volunteer work or trail work. Um, so my races, uh, the 200s require eight hours of trail work. And you... If you're doing all three 200s, you still only need to do eight hours. You don't need to do, you know, 24 hours. Um, so it's only eight hours. Um, but it, I think it teaches us that the trails aren't just here, you know, for us to use. They they have to be maintained by somebody. And um, I'd like to see more trail runners getting out. You, you know, there's a lot of hikers and bicyclists and horseback riders who organized trail work and and definitely a lot more trail runners getting out there and i i learned to do trail work from that it being a requirement for a race that i wanted to do and so i think it's a really good way people get upset about it sometimes but you know it's like eight hours out of a year is not that much time to get back to
0: the trails yeah, I really like that you guys do that. At least some of the, some of the races. That's I think it's so good. I do a lot of work with the Pacific Crest Trail Association, and you know we're always out there. You know, I mean I only do so much, but yeah, it's like hey, we're, we have availability. I know with WTA in Washington it's pretty easy as well. So yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that uh, that you guys do that. Well, I just I, I kind of want to just uh, you know not take up too much of your time, and I, I want to point people in the right directions as far as following you. I follow you on Instagram. I love your posts. They're very inspiring. And it also just, if people followed you and they like a lot of times people want to ask, well, what are your routines? What do you, what do you do? And it's like, well, follow you on Instagram. you are going to learn all of that. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to do at least a post a day. Um, and sometimes it's like three posts, but I, you know, I'll just do something from the day. Um, and I try to make it significant. So it's not just, a photo of my food. Um, but I try to think about something that I'm working on, um, either in my head or physically, um, with my running and, you know, hopefully it's something that other people find interesting, but, uh, yeah, I just, I just enjoy the creative aspect of, of taking a photo and, um, finding something interesting to say about it, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. And and what's your handle again?
1: It's Run Candice Run, and so Candace is spelled with an I, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, so it's like Forrest Gump kind of style, Run <laughs> run Candace
0: Run. Gotcha, okay, that's where that comes from, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, yeah. and then you have a website as well, right?
1: Yeah, my um, adventure website is called wilddefined.com. And that's where you can read about race reports or poetry more creative aspects. And then for actually looking at the events I organize, uh, my business is called Destination Trail. And the website for that is DestinationTrailRun.com. So you can find, I actually organize 11 different events. And there's everything from 10Ks all the way up to 240 miles. So there's ultras and marathons and halves. They're all on trail which is part of the cool part, but there's stuff for walkers, there's stuff for um, basically everybody. We even do free kids' races at our um, spring races. So there's, and kids get medals. So it's just a fun way. It's really a family-friendly kind of a thing. Um, It's all about getting the younger generation involved in the outdoors and, um, you know, not making it a burden on on parents, you know, an extra expense.
0: Oh, that's so good. That's great. I really like that you do that. I didn't know that that, that was the case, so yeah that's that's awesome that everything I try to do is is just encourage people to get kids out outside, so that's awesome
1: yeah it's becoming um i i mean I think it's been a problem for for years now, but I think with phones and screen time um this is it's becoming a serious problem i I worry a lot about children um not experiencing their environment and and communities and all that so hopefully we can start turning those tables a little bit and encouraging people to get out and enjoy the great outdoors and then maybe they'll give back and we can save some of these beautiful places
0: ah that's awesome well hey candace thanks so much for coming on the cascade hiker podcast
1: thank you so much it was really fun i appreciate it
0: all right that's the show thanks so much for tuning in don't forget to join the patreon page Find me at patreon.com slash Also, hit me up uh, with an email, rudy at Cascadehikerpodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is cascade hiker podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore cascade hiking. And I'm um, cascade hiker podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at reverbnation.com slash whiskey fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on
1: a heartbeat. You were
0: fine like wine
1: in sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. So come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could never be wrong. Where you want to run, maybe I'll run. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl if I could just find you.